Hey guys, welcome to Thrive Bites, the official podcast of Dr. Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc. On every episode, I talk with health and wellness experts from all over the world, such as doctors, chefs, dietitians, coaches, and many more. And I sit down with them and have casual conversations about plant-based lifestyle, how to elevate our emotional resilience, and what it really means to thrive. And I bring all of this to you. So let's get to this week's episode. Okay, guys, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites. I'm your host, Colin Zhu, and thank you for listening on. Today, I have a wonderful guest for you today. This is Tao Kapoor. Say hi, hi. everyone, Tao. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, for those of you guys who do not know who she is, um, she is... Oh, she has a, such a great, colorful, uh, you know, unique path uh, into where she is. She's currently um, a co-owner of CrossFit Aviator. And um, before that, she has done design. She has, you know, traveled the world. She's originally from Jamaica. And uh, she has her own specific health journey that, you know, I will let her kind of, you know, share. But uh, again, thank you so much for coming yeah, on. Thanks so much for the invite. <laughs> um, so I love to hear about my guests and, you know, their story. I really think the story is the heart and the centerpiece of essentially who we are as human beings, you know, no matter what kind of capacity we play. Um, so I would love for you to share with the audience, you know, tell us your story. You know, you are a wife, mother of two beautiful children, you know, you currently are co-owner of a, 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 of a CrossFit box. Um, how did you get from point A to point B? Because it, it seems like it didn't, it didn't start like that. <laughs> That's funny. No, it actually did not start like that. I did not. I did not. If you told me even just three years ago that this is where I would be today, I would have probably laughed in your face. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is uh, it's a total whirlwind. Um, but then reflecting on it, it's very, um, it's very in line with really who I've always been. So, um, mm. it's kind of like, um, it's a full circle and, uh, you know, they say that, you know, everyone goes through a midlife crisis and then they sort of lose themselves and, and try to figure out who they are. And then, then they're, they're this different person all of a sudden. Um, I find that my life, my, uh, midlife crisis has um, actually brought me back to who I'm supposed to be and who I was always from I was a child. So um, it's really, I find it so, uh, I can't even think of the word, ironic baby, that um, mm. I'm in this position now when I thought that I was going in a completely different, on a different journey altogether. So, you know, like you said before, I am Jamaican. I grew up in Jamaica, born and raised my the majority of my family is still there. Uh, my mother is living with me here in Los Angeles now. Um, but my father, everyone, everyone is still there. And um, I visit as often as I can. And um, But I had the best childhood in Jamaica, just absolutely the best. Um, mm. You know, my parents uh, were middle class, and yet they were still able to provide me to go to uh, private school, American private school. And so most of my friends were um, the kids of ambassadors. And so I was able to travel to all their, their countries with them and, 
you know, so I was, you know, offered a lot of opportunities growing up, thanks to my parents who really didn't have very much, but they gave me everything that they, that they could. And, um, you know, I was constantly outdoors all the time. I was an athlete from as far back as I can remember. I started swimming when I was four years old. I was on the Jamaica Junior Swim Team for many, many years and traveled with the swim team to uh, Florida for competitions every summer. Um, I was training for Wimbledon when I was 16. I mm. was a netball fanatic. I don't know if you know what netball is. What is netball? Netball, <laughs> netball is... Um, it's a sport that uh, started in Australia, actually. And it's kind of like basketball, um, except we don't dribble with a ball. So you kind of catch the ball, pivot, and you turn and pass it to, to your teammate, and you go forth towards making a goal. And so I was, I was sort of the goal attack, which would have been, um, I don't know how, what that position would be, like in soccer or something. But uh, A goal, a goal, a goal. Yeah, you mean? not. Like no, not defecting, defecting, but I was the one making the goals. Oh, making. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you have a designated person exactly. to make There was goal. always two people on the team, the goal attacks, and we were the ones that were making all the goals. Yeah, the goal attack and the goal shooter. Yeah, so that's that was my position, and I uh, loved it. Oh, my goodness. Did that all through high school and uh, sort of made a reputation for our school by doing that because here comes this white girl, <laughs> you know, trekking onto the onto the court and you know in Jamaica everyone's predominantly uh black skinned or or dark brown and here I am white because my mom is French Jew and um mm. they were like oh my gosh the white girl's hair again shoot you know we got to protect our our game and so forth so it was it was quite funny and I was never like the the mean person I was always the one to say hi to everyone and you know yeah. so that was that was fun. That was that was a lot of fun yeah. to sort of turn their perception of who I really was. Um, and then I also did track and field, and I was scouted for Penn State University twice. And um, but my mom, of course, didn't want me to go to uh, U.S. University at age sixteen. She was like, "I don't know what that is," and no, she's not going. <laughs> you know, Penn State. I don't know what that is. You know, so that could have taken my life in a completely different direction as well. So, um, you know, I met this wonderful person when I was 18 and, um, he was new to Jamaica and, uh, he opened a restaurant and a nightclub very close to where I lived in the neighborhood. And, um, we met and we dated for four years and then he decided that he was going to leave, um, Jamaica and go back to Los Angeles and asked me to join him. And so I thought, well, let me see what schools are there. Cause I can't just pick up and go with some guy, you know, my parents would never yeah. allow that. So I found UCLA extension for interior design and architecture and, uh, moved to Los Angeles in, uh, 95 and, um, studied at UCLA. It was a amazing experience and uh just being away from home itself was an amazing experience um coming from a small island but you know i traveled so much that i wasn't too afraid uh, like a lot of my friends were leaving leaving the island so it was a great experience and i graduated valedictorian and uh went off into the big beautiful design world of hospitality design 
designing uh, hotels for uh, Ritz-Carlton and Weston and mostly all in Asia. So I did a lot of traveling with my work. And, um, you know, we decided that we would be married. And, you know, he's of Indian descent and he's, um, his family is amazing. And uh, we had big, beautiful wedding here in Los Angeles. We actually got married three times because once was just not enough. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah sure, so not? we did a huge Jewish wedding and a huge Hindu wedding. And we had the court date wedding also. And, you know, so we're, we're definitely hitched. And um, then had uh, two fantastic kids. I had some difficulties through my health. I noticed that when I left Jamaica, I no longer had any of my coaches. So I was not physical any longer. I just sort of was like, all right, I can sleep to whatever time I want. I don't have to jump into a pool. I don't have to, you know, run around the track five times, you know, first thing in the morning. I don't have to do any of that stuff. So I thought, woohoo, you know, and fell into the world of the sad diet, the American sad diet. And, um, yeah, very, very sad, sad very diet, sad. <laughs> but I was, I didn't know the difference. You know, I was a student and I was a, a, a young career and I didn't, I didn't know the difference. No one ever told me, you know, in Jamaica, I just ate whatever, um, the, the cook had made at home and, and it was always good and clean. And I never had any issues with nutrition growing up. So I didn't understand what nutrition was. I was never taught and, you know, you think that you're living in, in America and, you know, the land of the free and the opportunities and all of this stuff. So you just go in with pure trust in your heart and in your mind. And you just figure that everything in America is good and golden, right? Faith. So, yeah. Faith, yeah. So that's where I was. And I figured, you know, well, if uh, McDonald's has a 99 cent uh, burger, then yeah, all right, I can afford that. I'll do that, you know, and McDonald's fries are the best fries. And so, okay, all right, let's do that. You know, and then in the back of your head, you're sort of like, maybe this wasn't such a great idea, but whatever it's, it's here and it's affordable. So I'll do it. And, um, you know, really I never cooked growing up, so I didn't have any, and I still don't have any culinary, um, experiences at all. I'm not the best in the mm -hmm. kitchen at all. So I just sort of fell into this um, this web, let's say, of just bouncing from, you know, what was fast and easy and affordable and, um, you know, what my kids would never say no to. And, uh, and we were doing great. We were happy. You know, it was fine. And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of how my whole journey into health started. You know, it's from way, way, way back. And, yeah. and um, here we are. Yeah. Um, well, number one, thank you for sharing that. It's uh, it's a very um, very circuitous uh, route, um, you know. And I know you're not done, but I'm just saying it's uh, it, it's it's in kind of know where the roots come yeah. from. Once you understand that, then you could see how you know certain decisions and certain choices that we make in our lives, you know, kind of you know, the, the, the meaning behind it, the reason behind it and the motivation behind it. So, um, so when you say that, you know, you had a cook, um, in Jamaica, who was this person to oh, you? She was like, a, oh. she was a second mother to me. She, yeah. Oh, okay. Was like it like a nanny, a nanny or babysitter? Yeah. So oh, okay. most, uh, most, uh, homes from middle class up, they all have what we call helpers. 
And um, some are live-in helpers or, or nannies, maids. Um, and some are just daytime. So they come, they clean, mm -hmm. they do the laundry, they make your beds, all that stuff. And then they cook. If they live with you, they eat with you. Like our, our, our nanny always you know, she always ate with us. I always insisted. She helped me with homework. She, you know, she was, she was more than just the help. She was, she was for sure a second mother to me for, for many, many years. So, and she was a mean cook. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. You would have to give me some uh, Jamaican recommendations yes. later on. Um, bye -bye. Um, so, so I'm interested, um, what has been, you know, um, because I know there's more to your health mm -hmm. journey, you know, and, uh, you know, I grew up with, um, you know, I was born in the States and, you know, I grew up with immigrant parents and, you know, they, you know, at their generation, you know, McDonald's and fast food didn't mm -hmm. exist, you know, um, and then as we were growing up, we personally had, you know, our share of McDonald's every Saturday. Uh, me and my sister would attend, um, you know, Chinese language school mm -hmm. um, just to kind of further our, you know, our native language. And uh, my dad would just take us to McDonald's and, you know, my sister would get the Happy Meal and all mm -hmm. that stuff. And, and I grew up on pizza. Man, I just, I loved, you know, mm -hmm. loved it. And, um, but as a family, you know, we started to see some changes, you know, and my mother, um, you know, growing more and more into her career, she started realizing that nutrition was playing a huge role because, you know, she uh, practices as a Chinese medical doctor. And, um, you know, the theories were based off of culture, the generation and how people lived during that time, not in terms of American standards. So things had to shift. And so we changed a lot on how we ate. So I'm curious on, you know, understanding more about your health journey. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, my, my health journey really started, I would say a little less than three years ago. So, um, you know, well, actually probably, oh, geez, it's so confusing. <laughs> it really is. Um, <laughs> I, I've had this condition called PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. And I've had this since I was 13. And what that is, is um, it's uh, for females, of course, and we develop uh, polyps on our um, ovaries and uh, which uh, inhibit us from having our menstrual cycle on a regular basis. Um, so for me, I had a very, I had a pretty severe case and it wasn't as bad when I was living in Jamaica until I came here and, you know, connecting the dots, <clears throat> I'm realizing that the, the lack of nutrition that I was getting when I came here is really what allowed it to, to intensify. So, um, you know, mm. when I was living in Jamaica, I would, I would get my period maybe, um, once every other month and it would last maybe 10 days or 11 days, something like that. Mm. Um, and then when I came to the States and I started, uh, you know, my life here, I was noticing that it would be three months apart, four months apart, five months apart, you know, and it just kept, yeah. it just kept growing and growing until the point yeah. where once I, I didn't get it for, um, about seven and a half months. And when I did get it, it lasted for like 10 weeks and it was extremely heavy and I became anemic and, and so forth. And so that actually happened twice in a row. And then um, we changed my birth control pill and, 
you know, that's, that's the only thing that I could do um, or that I knew that I could do. The doctors knew that I could do to um, sort of control um, the flow, let's say, of how that works. Uh-huh. So it was, it was something that was a total misery for me. And um, in fact, right before we got married, my uh, one of my girlfriends gifted me a surprise trip to a, um, a fortune teller. And um, I was like, okay, let's, let's go see, you know, you know, I always wanted to have like a boatload of kids, you know, I just always um, like that maternal kind of person. And, um, and she said to me that I was not going to have children that just didn't Mm. see it. And so after my session, my girlfriend had her session. And when she was done, I asked for another session and I paid for another session And went in and I said, check my hands again, because I know I'm meant to have children. Like you're wrong. You you have to be wrong. And uh, she was very sure. She said, no, you're not going to have children. And here I am two months away from marrying the love of my life. And, uh, you know, who's Indian and, you Mm -hmm. know, that's, he's the youngest of five. No, no one else in his family has children. And so it's counting on us. He's the only one to be married now. And, and, uh, okay. His, his sibling, his, si- his, have kids, his siblings know? didn't hit your husband's siblings. Didn't have, uh, uh, didn't uh have children. children. No, oh, they don't interesting. have any children. Yeah. Only one is married. That's the eldest one. And, um, they never wanted to have kids. They have dogs. Oh, so, um, yeah, I know so the Indian culture ones. for, you know, I grew up with a lot of Indian friends uh-huh. and they're, <laughs> they're all about, you know, procreating. So absolutely. Absolutely. Well, my, uh, my in-laws, my sister-in-laws were given the choice when they moved to, um, to the U S um, you know, to, to have an arranged marriage or to further studies and go to university and this, so they, they both chose to go to university instead of, you know, being married. And then my other brother-in-law, he's, he's just a party animal. (laughs) He's Mm -hmm. he's just not interested in getting married at all. So they never, they never wed, they never wed. And so the three of them don't have kids. And then my eldest brother-in-law, he also, he's married, but they decided um, not to have children. So Mm -hmm. my husband's the only one. And so I was all this pressure and I was like, right. oh my gosh, what, what does this mean? How, how am I going to do this? You know? And, um, and, but he still wanted to marry me regardless. And so we, we went and we got married and then we decided that we were actually going to go see a doctor and we're going to really try and figure this out, you know? And I thought that the reason why she was saying that I couldn't get pregnant or couldn't have children was because my period wasn't regular and she was seeing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I told the doctor that I have, I don't know, I, there was no diagnosis in Jamaica. It was just a thing mm-hmm. that, you know, there was no label to it. No one knew what it was kind of thing. And um, so coming here, I saw specialist after specialist and then finally got a diagnosis and then went into uh, a study for PCOS. And, um, that was very eye-opening. I learned so much about what was going on um, with my uterus and, and all that stuff. And, um, you know, we were we went on uh, oral medication for clomiphene. Mm-hmm. And um, six months later, I didn't know that I was pregnant. And then, yes, I was pregnant, <laughs> you know, because I took the test too soon. And it said negative. So I said, you know, we're going to take a break 
from all of the stress of trying to start a family and we're just going to buy a house and we're just going to, you know, we're just going to continue that we need a break. You know, it was getting really stressful. And all that time I was pregnant, I didn't take another test until I started feeling bloated. Right. <laughs> and it turns bloated. out that I was 22 weeks pregnant uh-huh. because remember our, off of the pill, I wasn't getting my period frequently yeah. and I was still off of the pill. So this was, this was now a good eight months since I had last seen my period. And so it was no big deal. I didn't think anything of it, but I could feel the bloating. And I was like, you know, I'm going to call my doctor in the morning and see what's going on. Oh, but wait, I know the first question he's going to ask me is if I took a pregnancy test. So let me just go ahead and take a test now and just so that I can rule that out, right? Mm -hmm. And sure enough, you know, it says to wait three minutes for your results. It was like two seconds and two pink lines popped up. And I was like, wait, what? Very pregnant. (laughs) What? (laughs) What's happening? So yeah, so we saw him a couple days later and he said, congrats, you're 22 weeks pregnant. I said, out of how many weeks? Like, I didn't know, you know? He's like, well, 36, 38. I was like, oh, crap. You know, I'm about to have a kid I, in a minute now. Yeah. <laughs> so those women that you hear those stories that they just walk into a hospital to the emergency room and deliver and they didn't know that they were pregnant, it's so real. It is mm. so real and so true that it can actually happen. Mm. And it happens to many, many women. And, um, you know, a lot of women suffer from PCOS and they suffer different variances. And um, I happen to have uh, or had, I should say, an extreme case of it. And, uh, you know, when they were counting polyps and sonograms, they stopped counting because my ovaries were just consumed with polyps. And um, so I had my son, yay. And then shortly at him, he came out perfect and he was, you know, beautiful and gorgeous Mm -hmm. and uh, born on his due date. We had to do um, uh, a C-section and, um, you know, I did have um, gestational diabetes when I was pregnant with him. Mm -hmm. And of course, as soon as he was born, the diabetes went away. Mm -hmm. And so with my daughter's pregnancy, we knew exactly what to expect. And so I kept testing and testing and testing and testing. And Mm. there, sure enough, we got pregnant again using clomiphene. She was a troubled pregnancy. I was on bed rest for four months. And uh, again, with very high levels of of diabetes, I was on insulin and um, taking up to 336 units of insulin. Yeah. For each meal. And and I want to, I just want to, don't mean to cut you off, but I just want to yeah. stress for people that are listening, um, you know, for those of you guys who don't, don't know what PCOS is, it's, um, it's basically, you know, a condition you definitely need to see multiple specialists for and to have a really good primary care physician to follow you. And, um, you know, it, it, basically people can have varying different signs of like, you know, uh, obesity and different hormone changes and, um, you know, you're referring to the diabetes and you can't sleep well, things like that. So mm-hmm. if there's any type of, um, you know, uh, worry or concern, definitely see your uh, primary, you know, so to make sure you get checked out, <laughs> especially if you're also, you know, thinking that you're bloated, quote unquote. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. So, uh, yeah. So uh, continue. I don't mean to cut you off. Yeah, I'm glad you stressed that because that's something that I was not staying on top of at all until after we got married and we were trying to have a family. That's when I kicked into gear with trying to figure this out. Mm-hmm. I had just sort of accepted that birth control pill. I would just have to change it every year or two and, you know, try something new to keep it under control. And it wasn't until I started seeing all these different specialists that I realized that this is actually a thing and it actually has a name to it. And it's a thing. It's like, it's real. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a way now I know that there's a way for me, at least that I am able to actually diffuse that problem. And, um, I learned that when I discovered the new, um, nutrition path that I was going to take, um, just, uh, in, uh, 20, 2017. Um, so I was with high blood pressure, high cholesterol. I'll just jump forward to that mm-hmm. high blood pressure, high cholesterol, my sugar levels were were really really high, and um, my doctor had started me putting put me now on metformin, which mm-hmm. is um, a drug to uh, regulate uh, for diabetes. And I mm-hmm. knew what that was. And he always said, you know, in you had you had it with both your pregnancies. You said both my pregnancies. I had gestational diabetes. Mm. Yeah. So and you know, with both pregnancies, he always said it was um, inevitable that I would, by the age 40, I would have full bone diabetes if I don't try to figure out my my weight and uh, try to lose weight and everything. So for years, I tried so many different companies and products and cleanses and all kinds of stuff. I mean, all I can't even begin to name them. And you, you think of what that diet plan is. I've done it at probably three or four times. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was doing everything, spending thousands of dollars on trying to find an easy and, you know, thoughtless way to lose weight because, you know, I don't cook. I don't know anything about nutrition at all. And, um, you know, I always just thought that the quantities are what you have to cut down. But, you know, of course, now we know it's a lot more than the quantities. That's just a fine, minute part of of everything that needs to happen um so i just didn't understand anything and i tried everything and it was it was like you know you know um charlie brown's teacher you know the wah, 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 wah. that's that's all i kept hearing <laughs> all the time wah, 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 wah. you know i didn't understand <laughs> any of it you know like i don't get this I, at right? all <laughs> <laughs> you know i'm like i don't understand this language at all you know and so in um yeah, I went for my regular checkup in January of 2017 and I, uh, I, I got, it was really bad. It was really, it was really bad. And, um, you know, he said that he was putting me on metformin now and, uh, within three months, um, I was going to be a full blown diabetic and, you know, I was starting to lose my eyesight. I was hemorrhaging in my right eye in the, in the back of my mm. eye and I would, have to go through all of these processes with um, having a giant needle go straight through my eyeball uh, to mm-hmm. push medications to stop the hemorrhaging. And, um, you know, he was like, this is, this is, you're going down a really dangerous path. 
And in about 10 years, you're probably going to be on dialysis two to three times a week because of all the meds that you're going to be taking. It's going to damage your kidney and your liver and all this stuff. And and I had taken care of my uncle-in-law for two years. So I knew what dialysis was. I knew what a stomach pump was. And I was just like, 10 years? But my kids won't even be 30. Like, like, they won't even, that won't even be they won't even be married. Maybe, you know, who knows, you know, Mm -hmm. like I, that I can't, I can't die in 10 years. Like that's, that's just not, I mean, to me, that was a way that was the path of death, right? You get on dialysis and you know, what kind of quality life do you have after that? From the experience that I had with taking care of my, my uh, uncle-in-law. So um, it hit me. I became very, very depressed. Excuse me. I'm a little emotional and um, yeah. I, uh, I, I just sort of really sort of felt like I was in doom and gloom because I didn't know what to do. I, I just happened to, and all of this was a secret. Like I never spoke to anyone about it other than my husband. So no one knew, you know, I was the parent group president of uh, my daughter's school and it's a beautiful private school in Los Angeles. And um, so I was always the rah-rah team leader and go team, build community and, and you know, let's have some fun and always showing the best face and, and all that. And then I would go in my car and cry for half an hour, clean up and then go back out again, you know. So it was all a secret. And somehow I had um, lunch with a girlfriend of mine who's a health coach. And I went to her for advice for my son because he was having some allergies and his doctor wanted to put him on steroids and he was 14. And I was like, I don't think so. (laughs) You know, I need some other ideas. And so I offered to take her to lunch if she gave me some advice on what to do for him. And we spoke about him for a little bit. And then she just sort of looked me in the eye and was just like, what's going on with you? Are you okay? And I was, oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm, you know, everything's fine. I was just up late last night working on a project. And, you know, I'm totally fine. And she just saw straight through it, Colin. She was like, seriously, mm. what is wrong? Tell me what's going on with you. Are you okay? And I just broke down and told her everything. I just told her everything. And she was the first person and the only person to have known everything that was going on with my health. And she insisted that she was going to help me. And I kept saying to her, no, you can't help me. Nothing ever works. You know, I've tried everything. I've seen <laughs> specialists. Nothing's going to happen. La, 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 la. And so for yeah. weeks and weeks, she kept calling and reaching out, reaching out. Let me help you. I've got this stuff that I can help you with. And, da, da, da. and just really, honestly, to just keep her quiet. I just said, okay, fine. Order me whatever. But I know it's not going to work you know, and I'll prove you wrong, you know, so that you can stop advocating for this company, you need to know that it's not going to work. And sure enough, I was the one that was wrong. And she was more than right. This company has completely changed everything, everything. I, to this day, have lost up to 82 pounds. I am uh, no longer with high blood pressure, no longer have high cholesterol, no longer have high blood sugar levels. I'm completely off all of my medication. And without taking the birth control pill, 
I now cycle every single month like a regular person, every 28 mm. days mm. for three to five days. No issues. And that's probably that's probably felt weird in itself because you were probably so used Absolutely. to I was um, the pill popper. you know, just cycling <laughs> Well, you're cycling, um, you know, every uh, three months. Yeah. And for, for everyone that's listening, we're not talking about, you know, like fitness cycling. <laughs> we're, we're talking about period cycling. Right. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, for our males, um, you know, periods are every 28 to 30 days, you know, and you would average woman would be, you know, anywhere from like three to five, you know, days uh, having a period. So, so you were, because of the PCOS that changed all that, that, that kind of, you know, you know, it created abnormal yeah. cycles. So, um, wow. So number one, I really appreciate you, you know, sharing that. And it's, um, sometimes not easy. And, uh, when you look back, um, on all of that, then you see, you know, how much you had, you know, I don't like to use the word struggle, but, you know, in it's a, a way, word. you know, yeah, it, you have. Yes. However, I think, I think what's better is that you've triumphed, yeah. you know, through that, you know what I'm saying? And so that's really what the story is about, you know, you know, from what I've gathered is, you know, you've overcome so many, you know, great mm-hmm. obstacles, you know, so from, you know, going from your journey from, you know, being, you know, born and raised on an island to who knows what would happen if I followed this uh-huh. guy to one of the biggest cities, you know, in America and, you know, and not knowing that you'll have children to having two beautiful children and, you know, all your health, you know, health uh, journey. So, you know, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, it's, um, it's totally whirlwind. It, it really, that's why I said in the beginning that if you told me, three years ago that I would be in this position now, I really seriously would have laughed because it was, I was Mm -hmm. in a doomsday sort of um, state of mentality and state of health. I really was going down a very dangerous, very dangerous path. And, you know, I've always dedicated mother and dedicated wife and the thought of not being there for the most Mm. important days and, um, adventures and occurrences for my children was just absolutely devastating. It was, it was gut wrenching to know that this was the dream that I've always wanted was to have children and to not be there to, you know, for, for, for their meaningful life was just, you know, to just be a memory was just not, it was not going to cut it for me. You know, and yeah. um, I didn't realize that I even had fight in me for it because I'd become so depressed that um, all it took was this one friend who was really just an acquaintance, you know, because I didn't really speak to her much before. She was she was uh, the green eater, you know, and I was not. And mm-hmm. so I always felt embarrassed around her and didn't really think that we had much in common to talk about or to connect with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always just sort of, Hey, hi, how are you? And then just sort of turn around and went chatting with other people because we really didn't have much in common. So it really took someone way out there to really just be up in my face and just you know, really just, yeah. I had to trust. I really had to just open up and trust right. that all this that she was talking about plant-based and, and all this stuff. It's the one thing I never tried. It is the one thing yeah. I never tried. 
So what have I had? To well, miss? I think I think it's um, I think it's more importantly, uh, it's the the trust that you place in this yeah. person and your openness to be able to receive. Yeah. Right. Because we can go through life, you know, given the best information, the most credible, you know, it's life-saving information, but if you're not ready to receive, then, you know, it doesn't really make a difference. You know, it's like a two-way street and, you know, you've allowed yourself to, you know, open up, you know, so to speak. So Mm -hmm. I think, I think having that support person, um, and especially, you know, for our viewers, um, you know, or listeners, it's really about having more of a concrete, uh, support system, community, and things like that. And I love the fact, I love the point that you made about, you know what, I have to get myself right for my kids, you know? And um, I counsel a lot of patients where, you know, they are, you know, we talk about their health and their various health, you know, conditions. And, you know, sometimes it's a laundry list, not just of conditions, but also of medications. Mm -hmm. And they don't really... I'm sorry to say, but it's like it, sometimes they think about themselves mm-hmm. too much and and they don't know that they also have other roles to play, yes. you know, like you are a dedicated wife and mother, you know, and I tell them I was like, you know, I refrain the, uh, the, the my how I convey information. I'm like, listen, you have other roles to play and, you know, you just don't forget about those roles. So so I'm happy that person was there. I'm to so glad you. that you said that, Colin, because I think that that's so important. And that really that was really the turning the turnaround point for me. You know, I had for years been trying so many different things and different avenues and really just um, just trying it for trying sakes, you know, because I thought it was a, a quick fix and it would just fix the problem and go away because I was so focused on fixing everybody else's problems, you know, that I mm-hmm. was so focused on everybody else's life. And so I only gave myself, you know, uh, just a small amount of attention. You know, when, when we're mm-hmm. in the doctor's office, we think that the, we're there, that's our self-care time, right? That that's what we're doing for ourselves in that moment, right? Then there, we're thinking about us only. The minute we get into the car and we go and we go to the pharmacy and we pick up our medications, that self-care time is gone. We don't think about mm-hmm. it anymore. It's, it's honestly, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the mentality, it just disappears because all of a sudden you've got your kids to to feed dinner, they've got their homework, you've got your husband that's coming home, you've yeah. got your aunties visiting from out of town, you've got, <clears throat> you know, your best friends in a divorce, or, you know, this, everyone else's <clears throat> so problems things. that you don't, what, what we don't understand is that the self-care that we have to do for ourselves really is more than just a doctor's visit. It has to be a priority because if we're not, taking care of ourselves all the time, we cannot be taking care of anyone else. And I've learned that to be so true now that I actually prioritize my health and wellness, you know, Mm. and yeah, everything else falls into place. I love that. I love that because it's really about priority. And um, that's how I set it up for, you know, my patients and people that I talk to is that, you know, there are, there are inevitably are going to be a lot of different things that come at you and you're always going to be busy and you're always going to be, you know, doing Mm -hmm. something. Right. But we only, everyone has 24 hours in a Mm -hmm. day and um, you know, we only have a limited amount of attention and energy and um, uh, you know, just focus. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's really about what deserves your priority and what deserves your attention the most, you know, is it your health? 
or is it, you know, your family, your career and all this other stuff. But that you're absolutely right. And that's the most important key is that if you don't take care of yourself, then you can't help others. Uh, My favorite analogy. Yeah. My favorite analogy is, you know, for those of us that have been on a plane, when you go through a safety protocol and, you know, the, the pressure drops in the middle of a flight and oxygen masks come mm-hmm. down, you know, they ask, who do you put on the mask mm-hmm. first, yourself or the person exactly. next to you? And it's, and it's yourself, you know, yeah. so it's the same exact analogy. Yeah, so. exactly. That's a- hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Yeah, I love it. Um, I will. I want to speak more. I want to talk more about you know community mm-hmm. and um, you know you are currently you know a co-owner of you know CrossFit Aviator, which I'm very happy to be a mm-hmm. part of. And um, how did you you know go from design to you know doing this and what had what how has it changed, you know, for you and your life? It's so funny. Uh, you know, my funny, because my daughter just, uh, asked me this realization question just two days ago. She said, mom, and she's 14 now. And so she's always thinking philosophy and, you know, she's just always very out there (laughs) thinker. And, uh, she said, mom, randomly on the way to school, how did you know that you wanted to be a caretaker? I said, what? I'm not. What do you mean? I'm not a caretaker. She's like, yeah, you're a caretaker. So, well, well, what do you mean by that? Like, I'm thinking I'm not a nurse. Like, what are you talking about? You know, right, right. She says, you know, well, you always take care of my friends every time they come over. You're always taking care of dad and his friends when they come over. You're always taking care of everyone at school because I used to be the parent group president. And, and now you're taking care of all of your members at the gym, you know, like you take care of everyone. And I thought, wow, I, I really do, I guess. Wow. All right. Very insightful for a 14 year old. I was I like, like it. geez, how did she <laughs> come up with that? Like, that's pretty okay. I'd never, I never saw myself in that light before. And now I'm sort of like really holding that with a lot of pride. Like, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's kind of cool. I'm the caretaker. I love it. And, um, you know, a lot of that comes because, you know, it's just, I would say it's a natural thing for, for Jamaicans to be mm-hmm. community builders. <laughs> you know, we just, we love people. We love being social. We love bringing people together. We love networking. Um, I'm a huge networker. I love to introduce people to other people of, you know, whatever they might have in common. I spill it out. You know, they might think it's a minute little thing, but that small little minute little connection would be like, whoa, yeah, you're from Colombia. I'm from Colombia. Yeah. Awesome. Let's talk. This just happened in the gym just Mm -hmm. yesterday, actually. Um, And uh, (laughs) so it was just, I, I really do love community. And one thing that I noticed when I moved to Los Angeles was community is very sparse. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if it's because it's such a big city and everything is so spread out. But growing up on an island, you know everyone on the island. You may not know all Mm -hmm. their names, but you know you've seen them before. You know, you may not see Mm -hmm. them every day, but six months from now, you see this person 
at a restaurant, you go, oh, yeah, that, that person looks familiar. I know that person. I can smile and say hi, and it won't be awkward because we're in the same community, right? That's missing mm-hmm. from Los Angeles. And uh, when I first started, uh, when my kids first started at this private school, that was my big draw in, was that they had a community, they had a community and I didn't, I never wanted to be president of the PTA. That was never, <laughs> never a dream come true for me. And that was never the light that I saw myself in. But for some reason that happened and it was because I w- had become such a lover of creating an even bigger community and reaching out to other schools and other parents and just really being proud of being a part of something that was bigger than my own little bubble circle of a family, you know, and it just, it's so important. I'm still a part of my, my daughter is now in eighth grade and my son has graduated. He's a, he's a junior now. So he graduated three years ago. Um, and still, I can still be a part of the community of his grade, you know, because we're still connected, you know, and 10 mm-hmm. years from now, after my gr- daughter graduates, 10 years later, I'll always be a part of the WNS community, you know? So when I started CrossFit, and it's what made me fall in love with CrossFit, really, because I tried going to 24-hour fitness and Equinox and, you know, all the gyms. Mm-hmm. And literally, I would walk in, check in, sit on an elliptical or, or a bike or something, and 10 minutes later, I'd be like, eh, I don't really feel this today. And I would walk out and no one would know, right? There, there would be right. no accountability. There would be no, hey, you're back. Good to see you. No one asked if I went on vacation. No one asked how my work was going. And, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of what you want. You want a place after you're done with a long day of work. You want a place that you go to that, you know, someone's going to ask how your day was and really care about it. You know, and you're going to be able to vent that out a little bit, you know, whether it be in your workout or just a chitter chatter for five minutes before your class starts. You want to be able to have that outlet. And I wasn't getting that at Mm -hmm. other gyms, but CrossFit, CrossFit's a community, seriously. And it's a serious community. It's not even just the community within the gym that you go to. But, you know, when I would travel, every time I travel, I'll visit a CrossFit gym nearest me, whatever, and I'm a part of their community. All of a sudden, I walk in. Have you ever done CrossFit before? I have. Awesome. I buy mm-hmm. their shirts. It's like we're a family. You get drawn in and brought in as if you were a member for 10 years. Every mm. every gym you go to, and that's what the CrossFit community is. And I was like, boom, I am so in. This is so me. I love this and I want more of it and I want it all the time. So I bought it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. I was like, all right, you need a partner? I'm in. Let's do it. And I closed my design business. And because that's just so, you know, the interior design world is so not community. It's not at all. Mm -hmm. You know, you're working for a client at a time. You are there at their beck and call and you are focused on their lifestyle and their dreams and their desires. And that's yeah. it, you know? And can it be, and can it be competitive absolutely. as well? Absolutely. It is absolutely competitive. I mean, 
you know, you can be dropped as a designer in a heartbeat and it, and it can hurt, you know, it's like, because they're looking for something else, you know, and it's just, it's very competitive, especially in Los Angeles. I mean, everyone's a designer, you know? And, and, and the thing is, is that I love what I love about. So, I, I mean, I started, you know, taping of the shows around, you know, December now. And um, it'll be different than when it will be released. But I started, you know, around May of this year. And before, before I really understood it, it was more, you know, I was like, oh, this is pretty extreme and, you know, cultish and things mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, I've seen the occasional patient that would come in for injuries from CrossFit. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, working, having worked uh, for the past four years as a traveling physician, you know, you don't really get too much of a community unless you physically go and put in the energy to develop that right. right and i would move every 6 months uh, to a new assignment and um you know that community gets mm-hmm. lost and so i really wanted that and um you know i've been happy to be able to find that you know you know here you know at you know at you know crossfit mm-hmm. aviator and meeting people like yourself and you know just so many different people from all walks of life and you know it's completely opposite than what you just said you know we're not out trying to get each exactly. other we're not trying to compete each mm-hmm. other we're trying to encourage each other we're you know at the end of the day fostering you know our own relationships with mm-hmm. one another mm-hmm. so and we're learning from each other too so anytime someone comes to us from a different a different crossfit box you know they're called boxes not gyms um <laughs> then it's like Oh well, what do what do you guys do over there? And let's let's learn from from yeah. how how you're learning from it. And you know, it's just there's no like oh well, we do it differently. It's not like that at all, you know. And this yeah. city tends to be very um, there's a there's a level of I'm better than you in this city. My my way is better than yours. This is better than that you know, this is the best restaurant. No, this is the best restaurant, but can't they just all be the best restaurants? You know, it's there's right. a, a, a certain uh, class demographics with, with things. And I find that CrossFit breaks those barriers. It yeah. really is about community. I mean, I, I follow a lot of different CrossFit boxes all over the country, all over the world. I follow them on Instagram and stuff and they follow us back and you know, we comment on each other's posts and it's just, it's a lot of love and camaraderie and we fist bump and we, you know, we're rooting for each other because this is, this is a, an all around lifestyle. And, um, you know, it's funny that you say that you see a lot of, or you were seeing a few of your patients come in with wrist injuries and stuff and they would say that they were, that they would get it from CrossFit and stuff. But, you know, really how many, patients are you seeing that are coming in with just a sprained ankle from stepping down on a stair or just bending over to pick up a piece of paper off the ground you know it's like uh injuries happen all the time and if we're if we're not able to strengthen ourselves then we're going to be um you know in wheelchairs before we know it and that's the point across oh yeah yeah oh yeah that's not to say that any i mean uh, you know it's just crossfit i i would say you know, any type of physical fitness, uh, physical activity or exercise that you do not prepare for, don't take the necessary steps for, you know, um, injury Mm -hmm. prevention, you know, you could get hurt anywhere. I mean, I get a lot of cases from people um, just getting hurt at the the job, you know, so, um, but I I think, um, especially, you know, this box, our box, um, you know, we focus pretty, pretty well 
on uh, injury prevention. And that was my number one mm-hmm. goal, you know, and uh, you, you guys just uh, started like fundamentals mm-hmm. classes. So that's great. Yeah. Um, Tal, this has been great. I really love um, hearing about your story. And um, one of the one of the questions that I love asking um, my guests is how do they personally thrive? And, um, you know, we've heard a lot about that throughout the episode. But I want to I want to know, you know, what gets you up in the morning? You know, like what pushes you forward? What sparks that flame uh, with uh, within inside of you? And, you know, give three tips for our audience members who, um, you know, it could either be, you know, if they are curious about their own health journey, you know, you've talked a lot about that, or if they're curious about starting a new, you know, fitness regimen, like what are, what are three tips you can impart to them to kind of get started? Great question. Really great question. Um, I would think that I'd say that the first thing that has to come to your mind is yes, you just have to say yes to you. <clears throat> you have to be your number one priority. And um, you have to say yes. Not, okay, maybe, or later, soon. No, you have to say yes and yes now. And you kind of mm. have to say that all the time. We, we need this. You need this. You need this more than you probably even know you need it. And if you say no to yourself you're never going to get anywhere. So the word of yes in the back of my mind all the time is really what it it fuels me. That's what gets me going. Um, The other thing I would say is consistency. Consistency is key for anything, right? Uh, Consistency with learning something new. You're only going to get better at it if you practice it. Right. The same thing with learning a language. You're only going to get better at it if you keep practicing it. Right. You have to keep consistent with whatever it is that you're doing. So if you're starting a fitness regimen, don't just do it for the first week or two. You have to stick with it. You have to say yes. If your morning is to do a 5 a.m. workout, you have to, first of all, when the alarm goes off at 4.15 or 4.30 or whatever it is, And you really don't want to get up, but you just have to turn around and say the word yes, get up and get to it and stick with it. You have to keep Mm -hmm. doing it. The work is for you. It's not for anyone else. So Mm -hmm. yes and consistency are my two favorite um, pieces of advice. Um, The third thing I would say is um, love whatever it is that you're doing. Find a way to love it. Because if you love it, it's going to love you back. If you mm. do good for yourself, you're going to feel good for yourself. There's, mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with being better than yesterday. Nothing wrong with hard work because it will pay off. These are slogans mm-hmm. that I have up in my gym too. And because they really mm-hmm. ring true to me. I really do believe it. If you work hard, you will be rewarded. And that's, that's what I would yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love it. Tao, you've been uh, such a great uh, guest and, uh, and an inspiration. And, um, you know, I know that all the members that come through the box, you know, they're always so excited to, you know, see you and you give everyone hugs and, you know, and uh, it, it's a lot of love. It is a lot and of love. Uh, I really appreciate I really appreciate that. And I really appreciate, you know, what you do for not just the members, because uh, the members are you know, we're all part of a bigger community. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been talking about community a lot. And, um, you know, it, it's all about that ripple effect. And uh, you definitely 
uh, not just a caretaker, like your <laughs> says, you know, you're, 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 you're a, a beacon. Oh, so I you. really appreciate that. And, um, you know, appreciate you taking the time out to uh, be with us on the Thank show. Thank you today. so much, Colin. It was definitely my pleasure. And I love being able to reminisce a little bit and um, you know, <laughs> just feel good about my story and feel even more confident and more driven to just keep pushing, just keep pushing. Yeah. yeah. So I really appreciate yeah, the opportunity yeah. to be with you today. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Guys, this has been another episode of Thrive Bites. Uh, if you like us, please follow and subscribe and uh, join us for the next one every week. Okay. All right. Thanks a Thank lot, Tao. Bye. Hey guys, that was another episode of Thrive Bites. If you like that episode, please subscribe and follow weekly for new episodes. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts.